welcome in to another episode of the Bet the Nerds Fantasy Show. What a tough week it was. We all called it Bloody Sunday before the show started. Um, we're going to get into the news and all the terrible injuries that happened yesterday, um, which was Sunday. And then we have one of our favorite parts of the segment, the flops and the bobs and the cops and the drops. And um, some DFS if we have time as well. So let's get into the news. Just going to start off on a really bad note. Saquon Barkley torn ACL out for the year. It came the play after he basically dislocated his shoulder and any normal human would have just not returned. <laughs> but Saquon is not a normal human and he is going to miss the remainder of the season. So if you took him with the second or third pick, it's going to be tough. Uh, do you have any upside? Like, like where do you want to go with this, Will? Well, two years ago I had David Johnson. Or sorry, last year I had David Johnson, I think. Well, let's you know. Last year I had David Johnson, and three years ago I had David Johnson, both of his, like, injury years. And then yeah. two years ago I had Dalvin Cook and Fournette, who both missed, like, a lot of the season, too. So I've dealt with injuries before, and obviously it's hard to find guys that you can just plug and play because running back is a very thin position. So maybe you had Deion Lewis if you have Saquon. Probably not, though. And then I guess, like, what I would do and what I did previously is I try to trade for those, like, low upside high floor running backs you can kind of just plug in there like uh yeah it, like in prior years that would be like Tariq Cohen, and james white this year i'm not sure like maybe like a naheem hines sort of type of player antonio gibson yeah well like one of those like lower upside high floor guys you can kind of just like plug in there and rely on hopefully good receivers and tight ends and quarterbacks that you have on your roster to get you through Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I had Saquon last year when he got hurt for a few weeks, and even those two weeks, it's tough to feel the running back. And the thing with Deion Lewis is, I I mean, I think they were talking about bringing in Devonta Freeman. I don't know if you can trust Deion Lewis. I think Wayne Gallman might be a better first, second down back than Deion Lewis. Like, yeah, I don't know. You can definitely pick him up, but it's, it's tough. Um, McCaffrey, high ankle sprain. He's out four to six weeks. I think he might beat the timeline, maybe come back in three to five, but... It, again, it's a tough situation. That's the number one and two pick, just done for a few crucial weeks to begin the year. And I think Mike Davis is probably a better backup situation than Deion Lewis. He looked pretty good in the time that he got. He got like the last, I mean, it was all garbage time, but he was able to put up like 15 points that all came at the end of the game. So I think if you had Mike Davis, I know I had him on one of my McCaffrey teams, not both of them, but I will be able to slot him in. Matchup against the Chargers, not the hardest matchup. Um, so I'll start Mike Davis, but yeah, the McCaffrey injury hurts as well. Cortland Sutton torn ACL again, another tough injury. Will and I did not like Cortland Sutton this year, but it wasn't because of the injury, right. but I guess we did predict how bad he was going to be. <laughs> so there you go. Okay. Um, I like Jerry Judy after this. I really do. I think that he's the number one option. Drew Locke also got hurt. So, um, if you're going to trust Jeff Driscoll, I don't know how happy you are with that. Um, Raheem Mostert. MCL sprain. They said it's a minor injury, so he might be able to play this week. It'll be a tough road back, but if not this week, he'll be back in two weeks. It's not the that's probably the least of the 49ers' concerns right now. Um, just you can butt in here with any of the uh, news you want to when, whenever you yeah, want. Yeah, I'll say with McCaffrey, um, Mike Davis is a good backup situation coming into the year. They had McCaffrey, Davis, and I think Reggie Bonifan was the other guy. And Davis was clearly the better backup. I don't see Reggie Bonifan having a very big role in this offense. And Davis, while he's not like the most exciting player, even when he's in Seattle, he's involved in the passing game. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, he has three down work abilities. He's not a great player, but he's one of those like high floor guys that you can trust to be serviceable while you wait for McCaffrey to come back. I'd also keep an eye on Curtis Samuel yeah. because he was used in a running back type role at Ohio State. I think that he'll probably get like maybe five to seven carries a game. And they're definitely going to – like he is a playmaker. Yeah. So I think Robbie Anderson has become a must start after what we've seen the past two weeks. And I think Curtis Samuel can be started if you need to. Um, uh, Devontae Adams hurt his hamstring and it had to leave the game. I don't think this is going to be a lingering issue. or I mean it will be, but it won't hold him out of the game. He's dealt with hamstring in the past. Um if you have Lazard, I would hold on to him because right. if Adams misses any time, Lazard should be in your lineup. Uh, do you think the same thing about Lazard? Yeah, I agree. But like, I, I still like Lazard. I think he has a little more upside now. Adams, he, like going into the year, he was my wide receiver number two behind Michael Thomas, just because when he's on the field, he's gonna get touchdowns, a ton of catches, ton of yards. He does it all. The concern is for Adams is always those nagging injuries that seem to hold him out for like two to four games every single season. And while I'm not sure if this is going to hold him out, hamstring injuries tend to be like the soft tissue injuries can hold the guys out. They can linger. They can resurface later on, even when you think he's like fully healed. So definitely just be cautious. And yeah, if you like want to target Lazard in a trade, like kind of like throw him in there as a last piece, uh, someone definitely to keep an eye on. Yeah, I was trying to trade Lazard away, actually. I was trying to trade Lazard uh, to get Josh Kelly on my team because he was looking great with those 23 carries. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprain, also going to miss a few weeks. Nick Mullins going to be the starting quarterback. I think we saw Mullins start a few years ago. It wasn't awful. Um, I think he'll be able to hold his own for the Niners. Jordan Reed looked great with Mullins. Um, I don't think you – I don't think it's like you're all off of the receiving targets. Like if you want to play Jarek McKinnon, if you want to play – um, uh, Jordan Reed if George Kittle misses George Kittle if he's back he's fine yeah. but I don't think Mullins is like the worst downgrade from Jimmy G it definitely sucks that he'll be out I will say Jimmy uh, he might not actually miss time with this injury high, really? high ankle sprains tend to keep players out for a decent amount of time but for quarterbacks it's a little different they can oftentimes you're not making the they cuts. can oftentimes play through it we saw uh-huh. in 2013 with Peyton Manning during that magical season where he had like 50 plus touchdowns he played through a high ankle sprain. Um, and there, there are other examples of quarterbacks doing it as well. The issue is is that Garoppolo, on those like zone read plays, or like the just like in general like zone running plays, he, he has to make those really quick steps to get out to the edge to make the handoff. Right. And that's going to be more difficult, that footwork with the high ankle sprain. So if they do end up starting Garoppolo, maybe they like incorporate more pitches just to keep his feet healthy. Um, yeah. Their schedule for the next couple weeks is pretty light. So they might elect to just be cautious and play Mullins because I think yeah. they can they can win without Garoppolo, and they don't want to risk his long term health. So definitely, it'll be interesting to to monitor what happens with that quarterback situation going forward. And then Julio Jones also hurt his hamstring and had a uh, lesser day, I guess you could say. So that's Jones, Thomas, and Devonte Adams, top three receivers out, yeah. and McCaffrey and Saquon the top two running backs. Hey, what are you gonna well, do? With just... Now that Jones is out, now Ridley's gonna be good. <laughs> now, not not early, yeah, right? Yeah. Not early, right? See, wait, 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 wait. Who? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Calvin Ridley. <laughs> see, yeah. See, Ridley, he's he's number two, and now that there's an injury, now he's number one. 
<laughs> yeah, now he's the number one. All right, Calvin Ridley, wide receiver one in our hearts and on your team. Yeah. Um, let's get on to some good news, finally. Chris Godwin has cleared the concussion protocol. He'll be in your lineup and be on the field next Sunday. Kenny Galladay is expected to play week three. And my favorite team from my favorite college team, Justin Herbert, was able to start. Tyrod Taylor had some issues prior to the game, was not able to make the start. And Herbert looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he'll start going forward, but there was just one mistake when he made the pick, when he threw the pick and could have ran for the first down. And also, I don't know what Anthony Lynn is doing in the overtime, not going for it on fourth and one. But it was questionable. I don't. I would never give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes in a winner go home situation. But it, did you like what you saw from uh, Herbert? Yeah, I mean, you know me personally. I was not like I'm a Oregon fan. I'm a Herbert fan, but. I wasn't high on him as a player, as a prospect coming out, but some of the things I saw in this game were really impressive. His movement outside the pocket, obviously his arm strength, he looked more accurate down the field than he did in college for sure. Um, He wasn't dink and dunk Herbert. Um, So it's it's hard to know what to take away from this kind of game because the Chiefs were preparing for Taylor. They weren't preparing for Herbert at all. There's really no scouting report on Herbert. So... If he ends up starting going forward, I expect him to struggle a lot more than he did in this game. But yeah. for as far as first starts go, 300 plus yards, only one interception, touchdown. touchdown, only one interception, I believe. Like that's pretty impressive. Yeah. All right, let's get into the bops. Dak Prescott, 34 for 47, 450 yards and one touchdown. Great all-around performance. I don't know how the Falcons blew this game. It's just a typical Falcons-blown performance. Dak did not bob in the um, first quarter, I'll tell you that. That's true. <laughs> but he looked great at the end. Uh, CeeDee Lamb looked great. Mario Cooper looked great. We'll get to Michael Gallup later. Um, Dalton Schultz looked great. And we thought Blake Jarwin would be very good in that role. And we just see that it's just the tight end on the Cowboys has a lot of value. I think Dalton Schultz could be startable with the amount of targets that are going to that position. Um, there's not much to talk about Dak Prescott. He's already in your lineup, but you're just very happy with what you got from him. Cam Newton, uh, 30 for 44, 397 and 1, 11 for 47 on the ground and two touchdowns. He's a must start every week because oh, yeah. of this rushing floor. And it was just really fun to watch him. Like, this was, we had concerns a little bit for the Patriots in the offseason, but they competed with a really good team last night. And it was really fun to watch Cam be healthy again. Like, he was throwing, and he threw that ball right through Edelman's hands. Such a dart. But if Edelman comes down with this, it's a different story. Um, Josh Allen. Yeah. <laughs> was it a trap game? Was it was it a not trap a trap game? game. He is my my guy for the season. Yeah. So we did need this. 24 for 35 for 417 and 4. Ridiculous. Just He didn't even, he, he has thrown six touchdowns on the season and no picks. He's thrown, like, 70 passes and no picks. What What is going on? Yeah, and I'd like to formally apologize to Stephon Diggs for being off of him this year because that man is just playing out of his mind. And he had eight catches for buck 56 and... 13 targets. 13 targets. He had a touchdown as well. He looks absolutely phenomenal. There's more passing volume in this offense than I could have ever possibly projected. John Brown should be in lineups too. Like, obviously be aware that they've played against the Jets and the Dolphins. But, like, until we see otherwise, Josh Allen is going to be a top five quarterback every single week. Right. Like, this This is right. this is crazy. Yeah. All right, let Russ cook. Yep. 288 and five. Five touchdowns. He threw a touchdown to five different 
receivers. Against that Patriots That's, pass defense, too. Right, right, such a great Patriots pass defense. I think Stephon Gilmore was scared of DK Metcalf by the end of that game. Who, that was who such a great be? route run. And What? <laughs> who wouldn't be? <laughs> He's a beast. Um, and what's his name? Freddie Swain with that little uh, dig route. <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson got weapons. Um, Kyler Murray, 26 for... Th- uh, one thing on Russell Wilson. Is he the MVP frontrunner right now? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you could argue like Josh Allen just because of the sheer numbers he's putting up. But Wilson, his touchdowns, his and just his raw efficiency. His efficiency is just completely off the charts right now. Yeah, I mean he hasn't. He's he has missed eleven passes on the season, and two of them have been drops, and probably the rest of them are throwaways. Yeah. Except for that third down and one, which I don't know what the Seahawks are doing. They threw the ball on third down and one with thirty-five seconds left in the game, or one thirty-five left in the game. Uh, Kyler Murray. He is so fun to watch. 26 for 38, 286 and 1, 8 for 67 and 2 touchdowns on the ground. And that second and 19 run against Washington football team was just a thing of beauty. He wasn't even touched. Um, On to the running backs. Wasn't a great day for running backs. Had a lot of injuries. But Aaron Jones, 18 for 168 and 2 touchdowns on the ground and 4 catches for 68 yards and a touchdown. Just went off. yeah, it was nice to see from your first-round pick, Aaron Jones, someone that you really relied on this year. Um, and he was everything you expected in this week. And I hope I don't think that we have any issue of committee coming, even with A.J. Dillon and yeah, uh, definitely John there. Williams there. Yeah. Um, Leonard Fournette. Oh, boy. 12 for 103 and 2. The garbage time queen. Um, I, will, I will say. How do we feel about? Bruce Arians is a fickle man. Uh, uh, freaking Ronald Jones dropped or like he he muffed like one handoff, and for the rest of the game just Fournette the entire way, just he, yeah. He I just, mean, this wouldn't have been a, Ronald Jones. This wouldn't have been a bop if they don't recover the onside kick and then Fournette runs for a forty-six yard touchdown the next play. Right. But still, Ronald Jones lost his starting job because of one play, which just sucks for him. He was looking decent. He was on one of my teams. He scored a touchdown, and I was like, oh, here we go. I'm going to get like 15 points out of Ronald Jones. Doesn't touch the ball like the rest of the game. I almost started to believe that Bruce Arians was changing as a man, but nope. He is He is still the same old Bruce Arians. Well, uh, Fournette is maybe more talented than Ronald Jones. Right, but then then again, like he said, Ronald Jones is our guy. Is our guy, Until right. he shows otherwise, and I guess one play yeah. was enough to change his mind, so... Yeah. Brazilian's fickle man. <laughs> Nick Chubb, 22 for 124 and 2. Only had one catch. I am not buying into Nick Chubb yet. We had concerns. This was a terrible Cincinnati run defense that doesn't tackle. Yeah. Um, I would trade Chubb if you have him. I think that Kareem Hunt has just as much of a role in this offense. He it showed it on Thursday. 10 for 86 and 1, 2 for 15 and 1 for Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Um, I really like Kareem Hunt. I think you can trade, I think you can sell high on both these guys, but I do like Kareem Hunt's value going You're going to get a lot more for Chubb than for Hunt. Right, but I think that Hunt, you have two running backs ahead of him already probably. Yeah. Um, so I like his value a lot too. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't trust the Browns running game that much. Uh, James Robinson, 16 for 102 and 1, and he passed the eye test. He looked pretty good. He also caught like four passes as well. What, what did you think about James Robinson? I really changed my tune on the, the Jaguars' offense because I was like, they're going to be trailing in all these games and they're just going to throw 40 passes to come back in them because they're going to have to. And Minshew's going to be a solid option just because of the sheer garbage time. Through two weeks, they've played against two very good teams. 
in the Colts and the Titans. They beat the Colts, lost this week, but it was a close game down to the stretch. Three points. And they're in these games and they're competing. And like, I, like I thought last week was a fluke. Two weeks, the sample size is increasing. If they keep playing like this, yeah. you can you can start James Robinson because he is the back in this offense. Chris Thompson yeah, caught a touchdown. Yeah, but he was the only running back on any team to get 100% of snaps. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to get 100% of snaps. Chris Thompson had a role this week. But James Robinson should be in your lineup for sure, uh, especially with how thin the running back position oh, yeah, is right for now. Sure. Um, Calvin Ridley, we just talked, we just touched on it earlier. <laughs> I mean, should I hit the lights again? Should I do it again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Calvin Ridley, seven for one hundred nine and two. He's gonna be this good going forward. Like he had twelve. He has twenty two t- targets through two games. And if Julio misses any time at all, that's just gonna go up. So I think, and even with him on the field. Matt Ryan was looking to Calvin Ridley first yeah. a lot of the time. And, and yeah. let this be a lesson to fantasy owners. When, just because you're the second option on a team, that does not mean that you cannot be a wide receiver one. There, right. It happened last year with Chris Godwin. We were talking about it the whole year. I hope you listened there, to it. There are so many factors that influence wide receiver production. We didn't. We did not need Julio Jones' injury for him to be good. Um, if anything, a Julio Jones' injury might actually hurt him. So, yeah. but like this dude is locked in hundred, like almost 10 targets a game and he's just, yeah. and he's a red zone monster. Like there's not a single matchup where I don't want to play him. Like he plays the bears this week, which may be perceived as a tough matchup. I don't care. I'm playing him. Yeah. Um, agreed completely. And I think you can play Matt Ryan against bears as well. Uh, Stefan Diggs, eight for one fifty three and one. I know you formally apologize though. I, I would like to formally apologize as well. I just didn't think there would be enough a volume to go around for digs to be a wide receiver like top 15 receiver but it looks like there is yeah. if they're going to keep this up um yeah play to stefan digs until you have a reason otherwise and the wide receiver position is also thin so you're gonna have to uh julian edelman eight for 179 cam through for 397 yards I still edelman can't got that. A lot of that. yeah i mean also we should probably talk about nikhil harry who had literally negative two yards of yak but was still a viable option <laughs> um Terry McLaurin, your guy. You want to talk about him real quick? Yeah, I mean, I've been saying, like, this this offense is not great. They're definitely, like, a bottom third offense. But McLaurin is the guy, and he there's nothing that he's bad at. He's good in the red zone. He's good, like, from between the 20s, like, creating separation. He can burn defenses down the field. Anytime where Haskins plays well, McLaurin's going to be great. And, yes, yeah. he can be held back by the quarterback and that's going to decrease his weekly floor but he he can get you seven for 120 in a touchdown and he, he can did you see the acceleration on the drag route after he caught it that he took to the house like so bad this dude is he has the speed quickness agility like everything you want in a receiver uh contested catches like uh i'm i'm all in i'm still all in deontay johnson eight for 92 and one I think we talked about Deontay Johnson. I really like the outlook because Bowie was going to miss the game, and he's their outside corner. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name right. AJ Bowie. 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 Yeah. Um, but no, I like Johnson a lot. He in week one he got ten targets. He dropped one of them. He got hit in the back in another. So we knew the targets were, were there. And Johnson's a great player. I wrote an article and we were still with SemiPro on how good Johnson was going to be this year, and it's, I think it's going to come to fruition for sure. Tyler Higbeast. Okay. 
five for 54 the, and three. New Mark Andrews. <laughs> new Mark Andrews. I think you can play Higby going forward, though. He's on the field every snap. Like, the the Rams use are using that 12 personnel and utilize, utilizing their tight end a lot. Like, Higby should probably be in your lineup. And you can't sit him after he scored three tight ends. No, two, three you, you can't sit him, but I will say, this Eagles team has arguably the worst linebacker core in the entire NFL. They have arguably the worst safety tandem in the NFL. And that's generally the positions that is assigned for guarding the tight end, um, especially in the red zone, where Higby kind of just dominated down the field. So this was, like, obviously a ceiling game for Higby. Uh, he still only caught five passes. So... If you can sell high on him, I personally would. I know it seems risky. It's it's always risky. It's like it always feels a little bit iffy to sell high on a player after a great week, but this is like the top end of Higby's production. It's not gonna get this high again. Yeah. Um. Same for same thing for this next guy, Mike Sicki. Did you see that catch? Insane. Eight for one thirty and one. Uh, he looked great. I think that Tua might become the starter with the way things are going pretty soon sooner rather than later yeah i don't know if that's a good thing for gesicki but uh, like preston williams and uh Devontae parker were hurting this game like i don't know i think this is probably the best outlook you're gonna get from Ms. gesicki maybe the entire season i agree to an extent but i will say but it was also in a tough matchup it was a tough matchup but i, I will say that uh i think gesicki has a, a higher target floor and a higher higher volume or expected volume than a guy like Tyler Higby because there really just aren't that many options in this offense and right. they've been trailing in a lot of games and they're throwing a lot so I expect Higby to get somewhere between like five to ten targets every single game and if he gets like seven catches for like 60 yards that makes him a back end tight end one so you mean Gis- Gisicki not Higby so yeah Gisicki so yeah I think if if Parker and Williams continue to struggle with injuries Gesicki is a uh, a pretty high floor, but I definitely think the ceiling. This was a ceiling week for him. The, he, I don't think he, yeah. he gets two touchdowns and 130 yards again. And then Johnny Smith, four for 84 wow. and two. He was on my bench somehow. I <laughs> I mean I played Goddard over him, which was like I thought it was smart. It, it was very close for me. Um, it helped that AJ Brown wasn't playing, and it also helped that they completely stacked the boxes against Henry. And that forced Johnny Smith to be on the field every play, and Tannehill to throw against. Um, like against the stacked boxes. So, what do you think about Johnny Smith going forward? There are definitely some tight ends we should talk about. This was a very good tight end week. A great tight end week, and I will say that teams are just really selling out and saying like, if Tannehill and this receiving core is going to beat us, then so be it. But Derrick Henry is not going to beat us. We saw in week one, Derrick Henry had 31 carries for like 100 and something yards, and he had like a 3.7 average, which is not great. Um, Titans still won, but the Broncos were clearly committed to slowing down Derrick Henry. Jaguars same deal and because of that you're going to see a lot of Johnny Smith on the field and especially when teams are blitzing and selling out for the runs the tight end is oftentimes like the first target and then when teams are blitzing like that there's a lot of room for yards after the catch which Johnny Smith is very good at so it seems like these game scripts are not going to change very much and Johnny Smith is really thriving in them and I don't really expect that much to change do I expect him to get like two touchdowns in like 100 yards again no but he definitely has this kind of upside on in pretty much any week in any matchup, especially when teams are selling out this hard to stop Derrick Henry. 
Yeah, they play Minnesota next week, so you have no issues there. Uh, Jordan Reed, the San Francisco 49er Jordan Reed, 7 for 50 and 2. Will, as an honorary Niners fan, because your Jets are awful, <laughs> how do we feel about this? Look, there's... I, I know that if I ever started Jordan Reed, he would get injured 10 minutes into the game. But looking at it objectively and without the the bias of his injury history, when he's on the field, he's always been a very productive player. And if kills if yeah. kills off the field with the amount of depleted options they have in this offense, he's yeah. he's viable. I would say he's a, a yeah. high end tight end two, very low end tight end one. But someone if like your top tight end has a tough matchup, you can kind of toss him in there and feel okay about it. Dalton Schultz, I mean, this was like the Blake Jarwin thing. Like, we just knew how many targets they would go to. I was like, hopefully that Jarwin's gone. They'll just go to Gallup or go to the receivers, go to CeeDee Lamb. But I guess they went to the tight end, backup tight end, CeeDee, I mean, Dalton Schultz. I think you can play Dalton Schultz. Like, he had seven targets in week one, too. If he's just going to get 10 targets a week and he's catching the ball now, I think you're fine with it. Like, they also have easy matchups going, ah, Seahawks are kind of a trap game for tight ends with Jamal Adams. So I wouldn't play him next week. But yeah, like, it's possible. I wouldn't write him off. I don't think this is just a one-time thing for Dalton Schultz. And definitely against the Eagles um, too, because Eagles absolutely are just gonna be trash against tight ends all year. They're they're, they're the Cardinals of this year, where mm-hmm. when a tight end is playing the Eagles, start them. Like it, okay. it it's it's reached yeah. that level. So flops. Ty, I'm just gonna go through some of them. We don't really need to talk to them that much. Uh, Ty Hilton and Paris Campbell got hurt, and Ty Hilton still couldn't do anything. I think this might just be a Philip Rivers effect. He can't throw the ball more than 10 yards. Yeah. Uh, Derek Henry, this was your start of the week. This is just... Have we underestimated the Jaguars just completely in their run defense too? Maybe, but I will say I, th- I think any team is capable of stopping the run if they sell out hard enough. And the Jaguars, they really just completely sold out. And they were just willing to get torched by Ryan Daniel, which they did, and they lost. But... I'm concerned that like more teams are going to employ the strategy of like just saying Derrick Henry, you're not going to beat us. Titans, you're not going to control the clock. You're not going to control the pace of the game. Like you're going to play up tempo, air it out football, and because that's not what yeah. they excel at, and they're going to make the Titans beat them that way. Last last week yeah. they're able to do that, but I think that might be the recipe for teams going forward, and that's it's pretty concerning if I have shares of Derrick Henry. Yeah, so maybe buy low on AJ Brown too if he's coming back off the injury. And Corey Davis is um, viable now. He's he's been playing really well. Yeah. Um, Julio Jones, I think that was a hamstring injury too, and this was in a plus matchup. Like, I'm not gonna like say anything more about Julio Jones. Yeah. He's on your team and he's healthy. He's in your lineup. Adam Thielen, same thing. Just a bad matchup. I mean, not a bad matchup. Just a bad game. Um, he'll be. F- I think he's fine going you know, forward. I think he's fine. It was a little weird to see Kirk Cousins just completely hampered. He was so um, bad. Yeah. Six, at one point, he was like six of nineteen, for like fifty yards and three interceptions. It was just, I I've never like he's been bad in prime time before. This wasn't prime time, and this was just one of the worst games I've ever seen a quarterback play. Yeah, and Allen Robinson. This is one of my favorite buy low targets right now. Yeah. Because the the Bears have a very easy schedule going forward, and he's been pretty bad through two weeks, but if you can figure out a way to get Allen Robinson, I like him going forward. The one thing I will say is there's a world where he's on the Patriots in week six and you're not happy about that. Like if they don't get this contract negotiation figured out and they lose their next three games or something, he might not be on this team anymore. Um, yeah. Tariq Cohen got paid over him. Like, is Matt Nagy's Adam Gase in training. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, 
David Johnson, uh, he was uh, just it wasn't he, he got the volume you wanted. Just tough Ravens defense. I think he'll be fine going yeah, forward. Yeah, Ravens are just Todd. Gur- yeah, Todd Gurley. This was more of a shootout that just involved no rushing. The thing is though, they were up by nineteen. They just could and, not get the running game going. I just yeah. it was it, it it was basically like that Super Bowl where um, everyone likes to shit on Kyle Shanahan for not running the ball. But like when they were up by when they're up twenty eight three, they tried to run the ball and they just couldn't. And they and they yeah. tried throwing the ball and they incomplete passes, slowed the clock, let the Patriots back in the game. And it was almost a repeat of that this week. I Yeah. This offensive line cannot run block to save their lives and it's very concerning if I own Todd Gurley. I mean, you think they would have just kept throwing it though, it was working so well. Yeah. Um, Mark Andrews, we well, you want to talk about this because it's it's just but what you've been saying. This is what I've been saying. Last week, Mark Andrews had like five catches, fifty-four yards, like two, three touchdowns. It was like great, Mark Andrews. You're awesome. You're you're gonna score ten touchdowns every single week. Uh, no, he's not. Like he's, it's not who he is. Mark Andrews is a low volume tight end on a good offense, and that's what I've been saying all year. And those are guys that I love having on my teams. But those are guys that I draft in like the eleventh round to take flyers on them, like Johnu Smith. Yeah. Mark Andrews was like a fourth, fifth round draft pick. And this is the volatility you're, that you're going to get from him. He's going to have games where he gets, like, six catches and, like, three touchdowns. And he's going to have games where he gets, like, two or three catches and zero touchdowns. And he's going to tank your team. And yeah. you spent high draft capital, so you can't afford to, like, bench him. And, you're not, and you have no idea when he's going to be good. Like, this this yeah. was a great matchup against the Texans linebackers and their safeties. Yeah. And he just was not good. And he, it, it was a weird game because it was a great matchup for all the Ravens options, and like Lamar wasn't a great for fantasy. Marquise Brown, they went very committee backfield. I think Mark Ingram had that wildcat touchdown, with Ky- which kind of saved his day. But it was a very weird game. Touchdowns are very fickle, and like he's he's a touchdown dependent player. And everyone thought the volume was going to increase this year. I said from the beginning. He's not going to get that many more snaps, even without Hayden Hurst, because Nick Boyle still Nick Boyle was the snap leader in their tight end room last year, and he's still on the team, and he's still the run blocker, and he's still getting a ton of snaps. So, yeah, I've been saying this about Mark Andrews. This is the volatility you're going to get. He has the highest upside of any tight end on a weekly basis, and he has the lowest floor, and that's just what yeah. it is. And if you're okay with that, then play him, and if you're not, then trade him. Jarvis Landry, uh, I don't think we have to touch on this one very long. I'm, I think you can drop Jarvis Landry like it's I just don't want to start him I don't think there's that high of a ceiling especially with Baker Mayfield I think he's the wide receiver two on that team a wide receiver two on a team that's like not a pass heavy team at all and he's a guy who needs a lot of volume to be relevant I don't want Jarvis Landry on any of my teams and a team that's going to be playing Baltimore again and playing Pittsburgh two times Pittsburgh yeah so Yeah, yeah I don't know. That's yeah. kind of scary to own. So I I agree. I'm not sure I'd drop him yet, just in case something happens. But I mean, if you need to drop him to pick up like Deion Lewis or yeah, McKinnon, if you need if you need to drop him, he yeah. is droppable. But yeah, not much else to say. It's it's not a good look for him. AJ Green looks a step slow. Look um, sucks to see it. It's not like he's on the field. It's not like he's getting hurt. It just looks a step slow. Michael Gallup. I think we need to touch on this really quickly. We were very high on Gallup this year. Because we thought the targets would go there. I mean, 30, 47 passes and only three targets to Gallup. That's really appalling. Um, I don't think you can drop him yet no, just no. because of how high power this offense is. But 
definitely – I think Seattle's a great matchup for Gallup, a team that's going to shut down the tight end, and they give up a lot to the receivers. So I think that Gallup has a bounce-back week, game three. I really help. I really hope so. I really hope so. Uh, yeah. uh, just something with Gallup. Also a buy-low candidate for sure. If, yes. First of all, I think he's a buy-low candidate. And second of all, when I, when I watch him play, and I've watched him very closely these past two weeks, he does, he's not like – I don't think he's playing poorly. Like right. he's, he's running good routes. It's just the passes aren't going his way. Uh, he's seeing teams' number one corners a lot more than I thought he would. In this year, I thought it would mostly be guys shadowing Amari Cooper. That hasn't been the case. Teams are respecting him a lot more this year, which is understandable because we think he's a really good player. But I still think that this is going to be one of the highest volume passing attacks in the league. And I just do, do I think Dalton Schultz is going to get eight targets a week? No, I don't. And I still think Gallup is going to out-target C.D. Lamb on, in almost every single matchup. And he's on a team that I expect to score a lot of points. I expect him to get touchdowns. Week one, he would have been a great play if, he, if that catch stood. And so, yeah. so if, if, you, if you think about it in a bigger picture, this was like a down week for him, like one down week. And yeah. it was two catches of 58, which really isn't all that bad. It's only bad because as a percentage, he was not that involved relative to everyone yeah. else so i don't know if you can just say that cd lamb is like cd lamb's getting a lot of targets and looks very good but i still think that if cd lamb's gets getting like seven targets a game gallup should still be pretty good right there I, I my belief is that there are plenty of targets to go around in this offense and i think he's good enough to make it work and i'm not i'm not ready to bail it just yet on gallup okay let's go through these drops naheem hines um like i Yes, you, uh, he's going to be dropped in many leagues. I don't know if it's smart, but I th- I, he got no carries at all. I w- what do you think? So, first of all, I would not drop him. I would pick him up if he's available. This was a matchup where he was just not needed. Right, um, they were already up by they a just They dominated, they pounded the ball, and that was the game. Um, yeah. I think the Colts are a very good team. I'm very high on them. I was high on them going into the year. I thought they were going to win the division. But do I think they're going to be up by 17 controlling the clock in every single matchup and or even in, in most matchups? I don't. And I think in uh, negative game scripts, he's going to be fantastic. In neutral game scripts, I think he's good. And in slightly positive game, script, game scripts, I think he's involved as well. It's only in these like ultra-positive game scripts yeah. that he kind of gets phased out because they aren't throwing the ball. They also have Eric Kendricks, who's great at covering running. Right. Um... T.Y. Hilton. I think you have to hold on to T.Y. Hilton just because Paris Campbell got hurt. Yeah. They might be pressed just for wide receiver options. But, like, it's not pretty at all. No. You, like, you can't start him, probably. Um, Malcolm Brown got hurt. You're going to probably drop him. Same thing with Cam Akers. Both got hurt. Like, if they miss a week or two, you probably can't keep them on your roster um, with all the injuries. Tariq Cohen, he's also droppable. This just looks like David Montgomery's backfield, even though they just paid Cohen. Like, I just don't think you can ever start Tariq Cohen. What do you think? Yeah, you're not starting Tariq Cohen, especially because Montgomery looked great this week. And then do you think that Daryl Henderson is viable now that Brown and Akers are probably going to miss time? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he was 20 for 81 in a touchdown. Right. So, I mean, the Rams running back spot is always valuable. So I, I think you you have to I feel like you have to start Daryl Henderson if you have him. Yeah, and if he's on waivers, you, you and know? you pick him up for sure. He's a, he's one of the top ads. I just got a breaking news: Tevin Coleman is out versus the Giants. So if Mostert doesn't play, this could be Jarek McKinnon's backfield to himself. I've I actually even before this past week, 
and actually before week one, I picked up Jerry McKinnon, Jerry McKinnon in multiple leagues because uh, reports out of training camp said he looked better than he did even before he got to San Francisco. And while I wasn't fully bought into that being the case because he, it's hard to imagine someone missing all that time with those serious injuries and being better. I was like, yeah. if 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 he looks great and everyone's saying he looks great, then I'm I I want to have shares of the lowest owned Niner back because it'll, he's basically just free, and yeah. now he's a potential starter, and he's a three down workhorse. Back assuming if, assuming if, if that out. assuming that Mostert and Coleman are both out, which I think will be the case in this next week at least, he's probably a top twenty RB play, and no, he is yeah, and then. Because I don't think they're gonna give Jeff Wilson a ton of work. He's Jeff Wilson always is involved whenever one or more of the Niner backs are injured, especially in the red zone, yeah. which is concerning. But McKinnon is super involved in the passing game, and even if him and Jeff Wilson split the carries, McKinnon's still probably a top twenty back for the week. Yeah, there's yeah. just so many carries to run in this offense. Um, cops Ryan Tannehill. Um, against Minnesota next week, I think he should be a starting. Like he's starting in most positions. I think he's probably a top twelve quarterback next week. Um, would you start Matt Ryan or Ryan Tannehill? Matt Ryan against Chicago, Ryan Tannehill against Minnesota. Oof, that's tough. Um, I just, I I would go Matt Ryan. I think I don't think you can sit Matt Ryan right now. You can't sit Matt Ryan, and even if like. Even if he throws like a, a one or two interceptions, or he gets sacked t- a couple times and fumbles, like I think he's a lock for anywhere between 280 and 350 passing yards in every matchup, and he's gonna get a couple touchdowns at least to Ridley or Hurst or whoever he's throwing the ball to. He's just yeah. even in the toughest matchups, he's ultra safe. And then in those great matchups against teams like Dallas and against Seattle, he has enormous upside. But He's just locked in one of the best quarterback plays, and we've been saying that. The volume in this Atlanta offense is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Gardner Minshew, I think this is another viable starting option. Absolutely. They play Miami. I think Byron Jones might miss the game too. Um, Joe Burrow. I, I, Will, you, you talked about Joe Burrow. I don't know if I told you, but I was talking to some friends. I was fully bought in on Joe Burrow. You convinced me of that before week one. I mean, he's going to have a rushing floor, actually. He's very athletic and agile. He's very young, too. And he's also very old for his age because yeah. he's coming into the league. He's already older than, like, Sam Darnold. But I think that Joe Burrow can be is should be fantasy-relevant going forward. This is a team that's going to need to throw with how awful their defense is. Um, do you know Cincinnati plays Philadelphia next week? I think that's a great yeah. matchup. I think Burrow can be started in many situations. Um, there you go. Russell Gage. If Russell Gage had completed that pass to Julio Jones, that was a dot. Oh, my God. Russell Gage, Muhammad Sanu, 2.0. Um, but he had 6 for 46 and a touchdown. I think that, like, the targets are so wealthy here that Russell Gage is a viable option every week. He might, like, be a dud here and there, but you can't get those boom weeks out playing him. Yeah. I think he's he has a decently high floor. I will say... Matt Ryan is throwing like forty to like sixty passes a game right now, so you probably can't play him against Chicago. I I don't think you play him against Chicago, and then in any game where Matt Ryan throws fewer than forty passes, Gage is probably gonna dud. Is it yeah. is is honestly the the truth of the matter, and 
if you can predict when the volume is going to be there, he's going to have fantasy relevant weeks for sure. But it's kind of a headache that I want to avoid. And I much prefer just having Ridley. And especially because I have Ridley in so many leagues. And if right. you listen to the podcast, you probably do too. Then you're not going to start Ridley and Gage. It's just it's right. too many eggs in one basket. So for me, I'm not really going after him. But I definitely see the appeal. But if Julio misses any time, I think Gage is a great start. Yeah, for sure. Um, James Robinson, we, de- we already talked about him. He should be on everybody's team and everybody's lineup. Uh, great matchup against Miami on Thursday night. Yep. Josh Kelly, we need to talk about Josh Kelly. The Chargers ran the ball 44 times this week. They want to run the ball and play through their defense, and they controlled that game until like three minutes left when Mahomes was just like, yeah, I'm the best quarterback in the NFL, and I also have the best kicker in the NFL, and we're going to go win this game. So Yeah. Um, but Josh Kelly looked great, uh, 23 for like 70 yards, and he had a touchdown in week one. I think he's going to get the goal line carries going forward. But the thing is, don't get mad about Eckler. Eckler also was great. Yeah. He had over 120 yards from scrimmage, and he's a great receiving back. And like whoever's the quarterback here, I don't think it changes anything. If Herbert is the quarterback, I think it's better for Kelly. They're going to want to run the ball even more. Um, Josh Kelly's just a good guy. He's a good player, and I really like his outlook going forward they play carolina and las vegas the next two weeks i think in this thin outlook he's probably a top 25 running back yeah well going into this season i was very off of the chargers receivers because i was like Todd taylor not a high volume passer and then herbert throughout his entire college career threw so many checkdowns to running backs and like screen pass to receivers i was like that's why i like despite the fact that i was off the chargers offense i still liked eckler because yeah. no matter who the quarterback is, he's going to be a focal point. And I think the same thing kind of goes for Kelly. No matter who the quarterback is, they want to run the ball. And they, they're they in a division that doesn't have great run defenses. And just as a whole, their schedule is not full of teams with great run defenses. So yeah. Kelly doesn't have a ton of upside. He is not too involved in the receiving game. But no. he's someone where he gets like 18 to 25 carries a game. He'll get you somewhere between like, 70 80 yards hopefully and maybe a touchdown so yeah uh he's definitely a flex option and especially with all these running back injuries teams are going to be forced to put kelly in their lineups and i don't think you can feel too bad about it yeah and i thought this was just a philip rivers thing but the chargers just like to throw the ball to running backs on first and second down as well so well we were projecting eckler to have less uh targets Eckler and Kelly are both getting targets. Kelly had three catches last week. Yeah. So you can rely on both these guys. Um, Mike Davis, he's we talked about him a little bit earlier. He should be in your lineups, and if he's on the waiver wire, he should be the first waiver option. Um, he should be the third-down running back in Carolina, which is not a bad offense at all. It's He'll definitely be worse than McCaffrey. Don't expect him yeah. to be like consistently getting 23 to 27 points like McCaffrey. Although it, but he it, will get you 12 to 15. If Ron Rivera was the coach, you would say, Mike Davis reminds me of Christian McCaffrey. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, speaking of which, Antonio Gibson looked pretty good this week. He did. Um, Deion Lewis, I am a little... Yeah, it's kind, it's, it's kind of wait It's kind of like fool's gold. Definitely pick him up, especially if you had Saquon. Um, Jarek McKinnon, this is probably... Like him, Kelly, and Davis, if James Robinson isn't available, are my top three guys. Yeah. But I think McKinnon is probably... like if. If we hear tomorrow, Tuesday, Mostert doesn't practice, McKinnon should be your first waiver priority. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, Mostert's probably not going to practice. I think he maybe gets one practice in on Friday if he's going to play. But McKinnon, even if Mostert plays, I think McKinnon's a very good play. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Chase Claypool. I think you want to take this one away real quick, Will, because you had your eyes on Chase Claypool. He was one of those guys. What a catch. He, what a catch. He was one of those guys going into the season where I was like, he's the third option on a team that is not going to be too pass heavy. And to most outsiders, and even to myself somewhat, I was like, the upside is definitely capped. And I think that even if, I think when Juju and Deontay Johnson are both healthy, you don't really want to start Claypool. But he's someone I love stashing on my teams. I have him on quite a few because he's just he's a he's a monster in the red zone. He's just a, a massive target. And when you make those kinds of contested catches, like you can call it luck, you can call it like whatever you want. But when if you're a receiver and you make those catches, your quarterback's gonna trust you more. And yeah. it seems like Ben trusts Claypool to make these catches. And I think he's going to keep seeing the field more and more. He's a young rookie with a lot of upside. Um, if you're in like a dynasty league or like a keeper league maybe, someone definitely to go after because like in future years, he's going to be an even bigger part of the offense. He's huge. He's, he's 6'5", like 245. He's literally a tight end. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's, he's a tight end. And so yeah. while I'm like – I'm not like super bullish on the rest of the season's upside. I think he's definitely going to be viable towards the end of the year. And if there's like any injuries to these receivers, like Juju hasn't always stayed healthy and neither has Deontay Johnson. So if any, like if there's major injuries and he becomes like a top two option, watch out because he's going to run away with yeah. it. Um, just one PSA. We should have probably mentioned this before draft season, but rookies win championships yep. every single season. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to win championships for people million this year. Million percent. Uh, like, J.K. Dobbins, if once he gets the role, if DeAndre Swift is able to do it, like, those are the types of guys that win championships. It's rookies who are ascending players. And you want to get those on your teams, uh, like, sooner rather than later. So that's just a quick PSA. Like, yeah. I would prioritize rookies before uh, middling veterans who are becoming starters just – um, that's just the way I look at it. Like J.K. Dobbins before marking, or even though Ingram had a great week. Um, Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole's been great through two weeks. Five catches week one, six catches week two. This Jaguars offense isn't bad. Another rookie here that we should bring up, LaVisca Chanel. Yeah. Um, he actually got a few carries in this game. Yep. They want to give him the ball in any way possible. He's very talented. We watched him play against Oregon, and he looked really good um, when he played for Colorado. Like, I think that there's a lot of viable options. I don't know if you were feeling comfortable starting Cole or LaVisca Chanel. Yeah. But definitely keep your eye out. Dalton Schultz, you should probably pick him up if you had any time. I mean, I think there's a lot of good sleeper tight ends because Fan's probably starting. You're probably starting Hawkinson. Like, Fan's starting with Sutton now. I don't think you have any issues with tight end right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, if you want to pick up Dalton Schultz and play him, I don't have anything against that. Same with Johnny Smith and Mo Ali Cox. <laughs> Because Jack Doyle is out, and Philip Rivers loves his tight ends, and this boy is huge. He's a big boy. He had like 111 yards receiving. And he's also like it was really cool. 111 pounds overweight, but that's that's, that's another point. He's like six nine, but <laughs> he doesn't. He needs all that weight. Uh, no, no, he's, he's all right. And all, all jokes aside, he is great. He he looked great in that week. Yeah. And I think that I don't know who the Colts are playing next week, but I was doing a, pre- a preview DFS lineup for. For week three, and he was in it at 3,800. I think he's a solid option. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you um, for Thursday for the matchup previews. I hope you guys enjoyed.